This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Forget your other systems of algebraic notation. Get some billion logic. I'm Bill Curtis, and here's your host, a fantastically handsome man and author of his own intros, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. And a reminder, our audience is, as always, fake, except for you. That's right. Only you are real. Later on, we're going to be talking to Michelle Zauner, who has a Jewish name, has written a wonderful memoir about her Korean mother, and performs music under the name Japanese Breakfast. We have questions, and we will put them to her later on. But first, we also have some questions for you. So give us a call. The number is one triple eight. wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. It's time to welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, so happy to be here. My name is Pooja, and I am from Morrisville, North Carolina. Hey, Pooja, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So where exactly is Morrisville? Um, we are a small suburb from Cary, which is a small suburb of Raleigh, but we have the airport, so we're important. Oh, there you are. Ha ha ha. So if they want to get anywhere, they have to go through you first. I get mm-hmm. it. What do you do there? I am currently a master's student at Columbia, getting my master's in public health. Oh, oh, excellent. Oh, man, we need public health workers. Hopefully you can get your degree in time to come out and, and help to save us all. Well, I graduate in two weeks, so hopefully it'll, it'll be something. All right. Pooja, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a stand-up whose new music album, Tasty Treats, is on Audius and all music platforms. You can see him at the True False Film Fest in Columbia, Missouri, May 8th. It's Brian Babylon. Hey, Pooja, how are you? I am doing well. Next, it's a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and the host of the podcast Real Good from Stitcher. It's Faith Saley. Hey, Pooja. And a writer and co-executive producer for Jesus and Mero on Showtime and the host of the podcast Make My Day, it's Josh Gondelman. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. Pooja, you're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. Are you ready to go? Absolutely. Here we go. Your first quote is about rising tensions with a world leader. He has nothing on Biden. That was a New York Times commenter thinking that our President Biden could win a fight against what other world leader? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say Putin? Yes, Putin. Yes, the Cold War is back, baby. What a relief. It's like an (laughs) 80s revival. It's like we're all wearing shoulder pads. Sylvester Stallone is an action hero. And Joe Biden is only in his 70s. This week, the White House announced sanctions on Russia for interfering in our elections. Putin denied the hacking. He did so by suddenly showing up in every American Zoom call on Wednesday and insisting it wasn't him. Yeah, he came in a Zoom call with his shirt off. That's how you knew it was him. He's the only world leader who will go shirtless. So we can start there. So until Joe Biden <laughs> takes off his shirt, I don't want to hear anything. I, I just want to say, having having like seen like recent G20 summit pictures, I'm glad he's the only one who takes off his shirt. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> guys, what about Justin Trudeau? Oh, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> so... What are yes. these what are these actual sanctions? I feel like there's just so much 
talk that reminds me of disciplining my children in the most gentle way, which is like, right. if you don't change your behavior, there will be consequences. <laughs> yes, and that's right. it takes a long time to say it because you don't know what they are. We're getting back at the nation of Russia, but we're limiting their screen time. <laughs> Exactly. Now we are, and this is true, expelling a bunch of Russian diplomats. But if that doesn't sound bad enough, we are forcing them to go back to Russia on spirit air. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's timeouts. It's timeouts for all those people. You know, it's it's either like disciplining young children or the language from the Biden White House is so measured. It so reminds me of couples therapy from my first marriage. There's the White House fact sheet said the U.S. desires a relationship that is stable and predictable, which is which is what I asked for. And we still got a divorce. So that's what we have, right? We can stably predict that they're going to try to hack our election. That is horrible. I do like the idea of like Russia and the U.S. going into couples therapy. And it's like the the counselor is like, now, Vladimir, make I statements. And he's like, okay, I will poison you all. Exactly. I will take my shirt off. When you have working democracy, I feel like killing you. (laughs) Now, 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 to be fair to the prior administration, Trump did occasionally sanction Putin, but Putin could stop it simply by saying their safe word. Yeah. I kind of feel like... I feel kind of like it's like, hack me once, shame on you. Hack me twice, shame on me. Like, Biden, you've got to have your password stronger than, like, major stop biting, all lowercase. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Pooja, here is your next quote. Eat fresh. That was the slogan of a big sandwich chain that is finding itself in dire financial straits this week. What is the company? the chain Quiznos. no i'm kidding it's subway it is subway yeah subway is believe it or not the biggest restaurant train in the country and recently they've closed more locations in the last year than any other restaurant still leaving way too many locations uh they apparently did very poorly during the pandemic despite replacing their sneeze guard with an n95 guard i guess during a pandemic people just don't want a restaurant where the whole appeal is watching a stranger touch all of your food (laughs) wait i didn't realize its motto was eat fresh eat fresh and i have to ask from a legal standpoint was that spelled p-h-r-e-s-h so fresh well i mean that's i mean they may not have thought this out because the whole appeal of subway and if you've ever been to a subway you know this is that is that they assemble your meal right in front of you so you know it's fresh right but i don't think we want that from our fast food imagine how like if you went to a Popeye's chicken, say, and they advertise that the chickens are slaughtered right in front of you to your order, you know? Just stand behind <laughs> the blood guard, please. You know that their their uh, foodstuffs weren't like the highest quality because they advertised the length of them, which is not what you do when food is good, right? They're like $5 foot long. You never hear like, oh, I ate like four and a half inches of caviar, right? Like that's not how you measure yeah. luxurious <laughs> foods. <laughs> Also, d- didn't Subway, uh, it, it's that smell. It's that weird, weirdly attractive, yet not quite real bread smell, right? Right. I don't we know we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, there is a rumor, I don't know if this is true, that Subway has a patented fresh bread scent that they pump into their stores. So as you mm. think that, that they're making true. the bread fresh. That is true. In my honest opinion, I think the dude who gave out franchises was going willy-nilly 
and everybody had one. And you can't have a subway around every corner. Works for Starbucks, man. Well, that's different. <laughs> Starbucks is a drug. Caffeine <laughs> is a drug. That's a drug. But maybe right. we don't know, you know what's in that fresh bread scent. I'm that with, might be a drug. I'm with Brian though about about Starbucks being a drug, right? Nobody's ever like, don't even talk to me till I've had my Italian cold cut combo. <laughs> <in the morning."> <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Pooja, we have one more quote for you. Here it is. Live your truth. Be free. That was a woman on Instagram celebrating the news that one of the stars of what hit dating show just, perhaps not surprisingly, came out as gay. Wow, I have no idea. Um, I'm going to guess The Bachelor? Yes, The Bachelor. Yes, Pooja. Colton Underwood, who appeared on two different seasons of The Bachelor, once as a contestant and once as The Bachelor, the prize, has come out as gay. Now, when Colton was The Bachelor, he claimed at that time that he was a virgin. He said he had been waiting to meet a girl who had that special something, that is, (laughs) being a man. I have to say, in regard to this guy, how can anyone be surprised Colton Underwood isn't a person? It's a gay porn pseudonym. My thought is, like, he's the only honest Bachelor contestant because he's the only one who, after The Bachelor, was like, you know what? I actually wasn't looking for love. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There is, by the way, an amazing moment. You can find it online where during the taping of this season, Billy Eichner came on as, like, their special guest celebrity for the episode. And he's talking to the guy. And he's like, you're a virgin? Really? Are you sure? Are you the first gay Bachelor and you're like, oh, my God, he knew. He knew. You know these shows, these reality shows have, like, crazy contracts, right? And all these yeah. riders and the contestants mm-hmm. have to promise to be drunk and to sit in hot tubs and to have fake tans. And it's just amazing with all the fine print. They didn't say, also, are you sure you like women? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill, how did Pooja do on our quiz? Pooja was great. She got all three right. Hey, congratulations, Pooja. We appreciate you calling, and uh, congratulations on getting your degree in just a couple of weeks. Thank you all so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Pooja. Take care. Bye. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Josh, Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC under President Trump, has found a new position. He is now the strategic health and safety advisor for what company? Oh, I don't know. Can I have a hint? Uh, You sure can. They make things that spin on your ceiling and they're not the tiny ass ones. Ceiling fan? What kind of fans? If they're not tiny ass fans, they are... Big fan? Big ass fan? Big ass fans is right, Josh. Yes. Wow. That is the name of the company. Here's what we know. Big Ass Fans is a real company. They make large fans, and they're getting into the air purifying business. They say they can eliminate coronavirus, so they were proud to announce that Dr. Redfield, formerly of the CDC, has now joined the company so he can continue his tradition of covering up massive failures. What we don't know is whether Dr. Redfield thought he was taking a job at Big Ass Fans or Big Ass Fans. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like... I don't trust any medical device that's prefaced with big ass. Like if um if a doctor was like, um, Josh, you're gonna live, I just have to make a big ass incision in your chest, I'd be like, please get me a different doctor. <laughs> hey. 
Coming up, it's a cookbook. It's our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 find food for meetings and company events. With online ordering and 24-7 live support. Learn more at easycater.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Whether you're looking to discover a new series to binge, find your next great read, or check out that movie everyone's talking about, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast is your guide to all things entertainment. Every weekday, we keep pop culture in high spirits. Listen now to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Josh Gundelman, Brian Babylon, and Faith Saley. And here again is your host, the man who got one of each vaccine just to be safe. Peter Sagel. Thank you so much, Bill. Right now it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Michael Suit from Tampa Bay, Florida. Hey, how are things in Tampa Bay? I love that place. Uh, it's interesting. It's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love it, because yeah. it's so interesting. <laughs> what do you do there? I'm a firefighter paramedic in the city of Dunedin. Oh, wow. I'm going to guess that in your time working as an EMT in Florida, you have seen some interesting things. Oh, yes. I have seen a lot of interesting things. Is the whole Florida man, uh, shall we say, stereotype uh true in your experience oh no that's 100 percent real really <laughs> they are everywhere all right michael it's great to have you with us you're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction bill what is michael's topic the joy of cooking you have probably been cooking a lot this year and probably have gotten bored with what you have been cooking well we have good news for you we heard about an amazing new cookbook that came out just recently that will revolutionize your time in the kitchen. Each of our panelists are going to tell you about it, but sadly, only one of them is telling the truth. Pick that. You'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. First, let's hear from Faith Saley. It's been about a year since we all went bananas for banana bread recipes, but we can do better than that, according to MacArthur Murad author of a new cookbook inspired by all the food we watched decompose during this pandemic. Everyone embraced rotten bananas like they were the second coming. What about all the other rancid food we're so quick to throw away? Murad challenges, which is why his cookbook is called Garbage Out, Garbage In. Diet gurus always tell you to stop putting garbage in your body, but I say dig in, says Murad, who's finishing his senior year at Vermont's Middlebury College. Why do we let the man dictate expiration dates? Garbage out, garbage in includes recipes for candied putrid lime rind and for something Murad calls American haggis, which is diced decaying things mixed with oatmeal. 
But the cookbook really hits its stride in the dairy section, where Murad reminds us that all cheese comes from bacteria like streptococcus. I don't mean to sound cheesy, he says, but going around naming some stuff good bacteria, but other stuff bad bacteria, shows a lot of hegemonic microbial bias. Garbage in, garbage out, a cookbook that teaches you how to make delicious food out of all the stuff that's accumulating in the back corners of your fridge. Your next story of revolutionary recipes comes from Brian Babylon. The surprise hit of the 22-1 Virtual Comic Con was the launch of Inside Bizarro's Belly, a new cookbook by Superman's nemesis, Bizarro. Bizarro, if you're not familiar, comes from the dimension where everything is opposite of our dimension. So, for example, in Bizarro's world, old people understand TikTok videos. Bizarro cooking means doing things opposite of you would normally do in the kitchen. The top recipes include steak slices. You don't cook the steak, you freeze it. And crunchy wings. These are chicken wings, but you eat the bones and leave the chicken. Craziest of all, their pineapple upside down cake is served right side up. The recipes are fun and, for the most part, delicious, but DC had to reprint the book with a disclaimer. Even though recipes are opposite, do not consume them the opposite way. Use your mouth. Inside Bizarro's Belly, Recipes from the Opposite Zone, and your last story of a current cookbook comes from Josh Gondelman. Great news for anyone who is intrigued by the smell of their cat's food, but is too much of a coward to actually try it. Fancy Feast, the Purina brand, has released a cookbook for humans. Yes, the recipes are for us, but according to Fancy Feast, they are, quote, inspired by cat food, not a phrase normally associated with human cuisine. Dishes in the cookbook include chicken and ramen with tomato honey butter sauce and honey sriracha grilled chicken. They wisely omitted recipes for other tastes all cats love, such as ball of hair and their own butts. Like the cat food, the human recipes are single serving, which seems a little cruel. It's as if they're saying, hey, you have a cat. We'll just assume you're lonely. A statement from Fancy Feast says that the recipes are for humans, but were created in honor of the dishes you'll be serving your cat. And what an honor. Although to really honor your cat, you should simply make direct eye contact with them and push your own dish off the table and onto the floor. All right. You can go out and get one of these cookbooks that'll help you with your next level of cuisine. Is it from Faith Saley, Garbage In, Garbage Out, a cookbook for all that food that you should have thrown away a long time ago, but fortunately still have? From Brian Babylon, Inside Bizarro's Belly, a cookbook from the world of Bizarro, the comic cookbook character who does everything backwards, or from Josh Gondelman, the cat food cookbook from the good people at Fancy Feast, so you can chow down right next to your own cat on similar food. Which of these is the real cookbook we found in the news? Oh, this one's hard. <laughs> um, as a resident of Florida, I'm going to go with a lack in faith of humanity and pick option A. You're going to go with Faith's story, food that you should throw out, but the cookbook author thinks you can make into a delicious meal. I'm going to go with my gut here and go with A. Well, your gut would be appropriate, I guess, in this <laughs> case. So you're choosing Faith's story of garbage in, garbage out. Well, we actually spoke to one of the authors of The Real Cookbook. It is a cookbook of human food that is inspired by the elevated experience that your cat has when she eats Fancy Feast. That was Amanda Hasner, who is the in-house chef for Purina. 
By the way, Purina has chefs. I'm sorry, as you have now figured out, it was Josh who was telling the truth. You were fooled by faith, not the first and not the last. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. You are my Florida man. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for playing and stay safe out there. Yeah, uh, I will. Thanks. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye-bye. And now the game where we ask somebody who is deeply thoughtful to think about something else for once. It's called Not My Job. Michelle Zauner performs as a singer-songwriter under the name Japanese Breakfast, but it was under her own name that she wrote her new memoir, Crying in the H-Mart, a beautiful book about her mother. Michelle Zauner, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. We need, first of all, to figure out something that's been bothering us all week. You, as a performer, you are called Japanese breakfast. That's correct. You are half Korean. Yes. Can you explain? Um, you know, I just never... This was started as a sort of side project. I was in another band called Little Big League. And uh, for fun, I was... I had a Tumblr that I would um, upload photos uh, of, like, animated food GIFs um, with these, like, side project demos. And one of them was a photo of Japanese breakfast. And I just called um, the project that on a whim, not thinking that this would ever take off. Yeah, you know, the same thing happened with the Beatles, because they didn't expect (laughs) that to take off, but they were just uploading uh, insect GIFs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to their Tumblr back in 1960 in Hamburg, and it stuck. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Well, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about your music first. I have heard, I've been listening to your music all week. I've been enjoying it. I've heard it described as shoegaze music, and I'm told by my younger associates that that is a real term. It is a real term, I guess, because uh, shoegazers use a lot of guitar pedals. So they're frequently looking at their shoes uh, to see what they're stepping on and what, what sound it will create. I just, oh, I just thought it was you, that you were very shy. Uh, it could be that, too. I feel like uh, most shoegaze bands are probably a little bit uh, introverted. Yeah. And, and, and part of your act of Japanese Breakfast is a, is a gentleman who is your husband. Yes, the guitar player is my, is my husband, who's, who's also right. mentioned in the book. I think it's sweet when couples still gaze at each other's shoes. I think that's cute, even after marriage. That's very adorable. That's adorable. Yeah. Many of your songs are about yourself and your feelings and even about your husband, right? That is true, yeah. So, so you ask your husband to stand there and play guitar while you sing about him. Uh, that, is, that is correct, yes. I mean, do you ever have like songs like, you know, if, if, you, if you leave your laundry lying around, I don't know what I'll do, I'll do, I'll do, <laughs> that sort of thing? Um, not really. No, it's a, it's a little more, it's a little more threatening, I guess. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about your book, which I've been reading and is remarkable and moving and, and tragic in, uh, resonates on a bunch of levels, but mainly it made me very hungry. <laughs> your, your book is called Prying in H Mart. Could you describe it for the listeners? The book is about, uh, well, the title comes from uh, this Korean groceries chain called H Mart. And my mom passed away in 2014 uh, from a very aggressive battle with um, a GI cancer. And I've, I'm mixed race. I'm half Korean. And uh, my mother was Korean. And I found myself um, oddly gravitating towards uh, cooking Korean food in the wake of her loss. And it was a way for me to sort of... I guess like excavate 
memories that were good. It was also this way that I felt like I was sort of preserving that part of my culture that had always felt like this kind of innate part of me that that felt at risk in this in this new right. way. Um, and, and, and you do an amazing job in the book of conjuring your early childhood and also of like really getting into this food culture of Korea, which people aren't as familiar with in America as they should be. Um, and you also describe there's a scene early on in, in the early chapters about going over to Korea with your mother when you were young and, and, and you prove to the family that you can eat anything by eating live octopus. Is that a true story? It is. It, it tastes really good. It's very briny and uh, fresh. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. But isn't it like wriggling around? Uh, yeah. I mean, they take a live octopus and they sever the tentacles. So that's so fresh that it's like still pulsing. Uh, I feel like Korean cult, like food culture, they, they really appreciate the extremes. Like they like food to be really vibrant and really spicy and... and um, Anything that's supposed to be hot is like scalding. Anything that's supposed to be cold is served with um, ice. And uh, everything that is supposed to be fresh is very fresh. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I remember that moment very clearly where, um, you know, I, there's a line in the book that I really love that's, uh, while I struggled to be good, um, I, I excelled at being courageous. And that was something that I, I really leaned into as a, as a child. Um, and I, and I remember the, the pulsing tentacles and, uh, you know, it tastes mostly like the sauce that you dip it into, honestly. What do you, what do you think of Jewish food? Um, I haven't had too much Jewish food, uh, but what I have had, I enjoy, I guess. Oh, well, then you clearly haven't had enough. <laughs> That's what I hear, though. <laughs> I've, I I will say I made schmaltz fairly recently. You made schmaltz? I made schmaltz because my agent uh, is Jewish, and, and she was telling me that she related to the book and, and, and talked about her grandmother's schmaltz, and I randomly had a bunch of chicken skin one day and, and made schmaltz. In the way that you do. And, and I made schmaltz for the first time. Michelle, your book is called Crying in H-Mart. Uh, there happens to be an H-Mart or two in Chicago. I love going there. Uh, our intern, Emma, is Korean and wanted me to ask you what are, in fact, your favorite places to cry in the H-Mart <laughs> because she has hers. Oh, it's different every time. I mean, like, a big part of it is, like, when I see an ingredient that kind of sparks a memory. That's a that's a big thing for me. So if I'm in the snack aisle and there's an, uh, a snack that I remember my mom introducing me to or if I'm in the banchan, like, side dish area and I remember my mom making a certain thing. It's different every time. <laughs> I understand that. So you have a you have a a song called Jimmy Fallon Big, which is about like hitting it so big <laughs> that you get to be on Jimmy Fallon, and you actually sang that on Jimmy Fallon. What was that like? Uh, it was wild. Um, yeah, I wrote it about my old bass player in, in the band Little Big League, who who left our band to go play in another band to be Jimmy Fallon Big, um, and they actually never played Jimmy Fallon. They only played Seth Meyers. And then uh, three years later, he rejoined our band, and and we became uh, Jimmy Fallon Big together. Oh, really? So yeah. you were you were sort of singing it. You were doing a song, making fun of him. Yes, I'm going to be Jimmy Fallon Big, and because now because he had been wise enough to rejoin you. You actually got to be in Jimmy Fallon. And probably just rough on poor Seth Meyers' feelings when he saw that. <laughs> he wanted to be Jimmy Fallon big. He only played Seth Meyers. God. Well, Michelle Zauner, we are delighted to talk to you. We have invited you here to play a game we are calling The Breakfast of Champions. You perform as Japanese breakfast. We thought we'd ask you about the breakfast of champions. Answer two out of three questions about Wheaties breakfast cereal. You'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice. On their voicemail. Bill, who is Michelle Zauner playing for? 
Ruth Benson of New York, New York. All right, so here we go. Now, one reason that Wheaties is considered the breakfast of champions is that it is fortified with vitamins and minerals that can sometimes have weird side effects, though, like which of these? A, Wheaties has so much iron in it, you can lift up the flakes with a magnet. B, you cannot feed it to hamsters or other small mammals because it might induce cardiac arrest in animals that size. Or C, some Wheaties eaters report becoming so strong they crush their spoons in their hands. B. You're going to go for B, that you cannot feed Wheaties to hamsters, gerbils, other small mammals of that kind because it will pop their little hearts like grapes. <laughs> yes. No, actually it was A. It has so much, no! it has so much iron in it. This is apparently <laughs> true of other fortified cereals that you can actually pick it up with a strong magnet. But don't worry. Oh, you still have two more chances horrifying. here, Michelle. This is, this is not a concern. Now, Wheaties has made a claim to be responsible for one of these historical events, and they might be right. Which is it? Is Wheaties responsible for A, man landing on the moon, B, the presidency of Ronald Reagan, or C, the invasion of Kosovo by Serbia? Oh, my God. Uh, B? B, yes. The presidency of Ronald Reagan. All right, you have one more chance. If you get this right, you win. Oh, God. Wheaties is... <laughs> You've got this. Wheaties is nowhere near as popular as it once was, which is sad because it created so many innovations in the breakfast cereal space, such as which of these? A, they were the first cereal to suggest that people pour milk on it rather than the usual beer. B, <laughs> Frosted Flakes stole Tony the Tiger from Wheaties' Champy the Lion, which was even voiced by the same person, or C, they invented the term erectile dysfunction, which they then suggested Wheaties could cure. B? <laughs> You're going to go for B, that Frosted Flakes stole Tony the Tiger? You're right. What? Okay, good. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised because C and A are, are pretty out there. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't imagine it was either of those. So I'm, I'm I, I am pretty sure that over the years, people have, in fact, poured beer on their breakfast cereal, but they're never supposed to. Bill, how did Michelle Zauner do in our quiz? Michelle, one, two out of three. Michelle, you ought to be on a box of Wheaties. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yay, Michelle. I'm Wheaties big. You are. You are. <laughs> Michelle Zauner is the singer-songwriter behind Japanese Breakfast. Her new album, Jubilee, is out June 4th, and her new memoir, Crying in H Mart, will be available on April 20th. It's remarkable and moving and will make you hungry. Michelle Zauner, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you all. Thank you. Bye, Take Michelle. care, Michelle. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. In just a minute, we throw away our Just for Men gel in the Listener Limerick Challenge game. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Stearns & Foster. To Stearns & Foster, your comfort is their everything. So they've made a mattress that's irresistible inside and out. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted. Every stitch, every layer uses the finest materials like indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for the coziness you want with the support you need. Timeless quality for your most comfortable sleep. Stearns & Foster, what comfort should be. More at StearnsAndFoster.com. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. This message is brought to you by Wondery. 
In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura protects residents from global catastrophes, but a dark secret threatens Pura's very existence. Binge all episodes of The Last City ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn in your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. It's amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash match. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. On NPR's Consider This podcast, we don't just help you keep up with the news. We help you make sense of what's happening, like why the housing market is wild right now, what safe looks like once you're vaccinated, and how an increase in border crossings is testing the Biden administration. All of that in 15 minutes every weekday. Listen now to Consider This from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Faith Saley, Josh Gondelman, and Brian Babylon. And here again is your host, a man who just got kicked out of the NPR wine club. He knows why. It's Peter Sagal. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill takes a bite of ripe roast in our listener limerick challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel some more questions for you from the week's news. Brian, a new survey shows that after the pandemic, more people will want to exercise. How? At home, alone. Alone is the answer. That's right. After being forced to do it for a year, people say they like exercising at home. And they will say a final goodbye to the gym and that one guy who works out barefoot and wearing jeans. Oh. <laughs> do you think People will start maybe there can be like a little side hustle where people can come to your house and do creepy small talk. Like, how long you been coming to this? <laughs> can I work in? Yeah. And also those those men. It's never women. It's the men who grunt with the heavy weights. In New York, these CrossFit people, you walk by some of these garages, you would think they were having a hernia class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would actually be a good name for a fitness chain. Hernia class. <laughs> That's when you need a big ass fan. It's hot. <laughs> yes. There. CrossFit's also a tough one to do at home, right? It's like, well, I'll just go into my closet, get my giant tire, my 80 pound ropes. <laughs> CrossFit, I always have CrossFit is what I feel Popeye the sailor would do as a workout. <laughs> you know, spinach is keto, yeah. brah. <laughs> Josh, I don't think I've ever heard that voice come out of you. It changes everything. I didn't know I had it in me. I've never oh. gotten good enough at exercise to prefer doing it where other people can see it. Like I'm like when people ask if they can spot me, it's not helpful, it's more like concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need help? Right. Do you need assistance, sir? Right. Do you do you need a spot or CPR? Uh, we can get the jaws of life. And I was like, I was just scanning my card at the door. <laughs> I didn't mean to look like I was straining. Faith, this week Facebook took down a French town's entire page from Facebook because the town is what? This town is called, I hope I pronounce it right, V. The beach. Yes. 
It is the town of Beach, spelled B-I-T-C-H-E. Beach. Yes, the fa- the official Facebook page for the town was taken down by Facebook this month. Harsh, but Facebook had first asked nicely by saying, Beach, please. <laughs> now, the French town's very real. It's known for its beach cathedral, and it has a historic monument commemorating a group of brave soldiers from the Franco-Prussian War who were known as, and this is true, the Sons of Beach. <laughs> no. The Sons of Beach. The Sons of Beach, the brave Sons of Beach. The <laughs> town's leaders are protesting Facebook's move, and they have every right to complain, or as they put, to beach about it. <laughs> Whenever I, in my the past I've heard uh, you know, World War II veterans talking about storming Normandy Beach. Now I'm like, oh, that's super misogynistic. I think it's going the other way. Josh, what do all these things have in common? Bill? Several loose sticks, a pile of nails, a sink full of hypodermic needles. I mean, I guess it's all things you would find at the uh, Port Authority bathroom, but... I don't know <laughs> if that's what we're looking for right now. Um, can I have a hint? Um, it's it, They are things you find in urban environments. I'll tell you that much. People have tried to recycle them? No, that's not right. Does anybody have a guess was where you'll find these things? Starbucks. No. Faith? Needles. Does this have anything to do with vaccinations? No. I, nobody knows. I will tell you. These are all things pigeons will use to make their nests. Yeah. That is not a children's book about pigeons. No, and in fact, they don't even make the nest. They just sort of find these piles and say, oh, it's a nest. There, there, there's a pile of things. It's that's a nest. That's the kind of pigeon I would be. And my, I'd be like, New you want to come over to my nest? And my friends would be like, the pile of hypodermic needles? And I'd be like, it's rent controlled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank. But first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait That's one 888 You can always click the Contact Us link on our website. Waitwait.npr.org. Also, you can check out our Wait Wait Instagram, where our intern Emma Choi lives. Go visit her. She misses you. Hi, you're on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi there. This is Caleb Taverdi from Washington, D.C. Hey, how are you, Caleb? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I actually got my second Pfizer shot today. So How are you feeling? I actually thought I almost missed this because I did take a nap and I woke up and I was like, oh no, I think oh, <laughs> I, yeah. think I it's, missed it. It's, well, now, what do you do there when you're not sleeping? So when I'm not sleeping, uh, my day job, I am a Coast Guard officer, and at night, I am a drag performer, podcast uh, host, and a slew of other self-employed artistic things. All right. Rewind a little bit. Rewind yeah. a little bit. We need we need your name. Wait a minute. We need you're, your in, drag you're in the Coast Guard, and you are a drag performer. That is that is correct. All right. What is your drag name? My drag name is Hell of a Time. Ooh, <laughs> a hell of a time! Hell of a time sounds like you might slip into like some Mae West voice. Like, hi, I'm hell of a time. <laughs> Caleb, you're one of those callers who's more interesting than anything we have prepared. But nonetheless, contractually, we are obligated to play our game with you. You are, of course, are going to play the listener limerick challenge. Bill is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If yep. you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Let's do it. All right, here's your first limerick. It's where real and desk jockeys join forces. It's a site which my young kid endorses. My office park perk, I watch Mustangs at work. My desk has a view of wild 
Horses? Yes, yes, horses. Yeah. Very good. Apparently, some companies setting up shop in rural Nevada are trying to attract employees by promising that by working there, you can sometimes see wild horses. You forget about benefits. I want horses. Maternity leave? You get horse-ternity leave. It's part of this trend of like green offices, places that offer wellness perks like yoga and rock climbing. They're, they're saying at our company, we're not just co-workers. We sweat on each other. Peter, is that, is that better than... One of those hang in there kitten posters. What's more motivational? A hang in there kitten poster or some majestic steeds? And over the window, it just says, never say nay. (laughs) (laughs) Here is your next limerick. From salons, I've been staying away. My real color will now have its say. Not old and exhausted, it's silver and frosted. My hair has grown sexy and... Gray? Yes! The pandemic has caused more and more women to ditch the hair dye and let the gray take over. Now it's fashionable. Many women, of course, try to hide their age by coloring their hair, so get ready for a shock. Your grandma? She's old. (laughs) Men, of course, have been confidently growing gray for years at no cost to their sexual appeal. We know them as silver foxes, gray wolves, or geriatric millionaires hopefully about to die. (laughs) But it has been a scarier step for women to go gray because, of course, society is terrible. (laughs) So anyway, now that gray hair is stylish, women everywhere are going to want the same results. There'll be salons where women can go to get stressed out in hopes it will make them go gray. We have you down for a 30-minute session where a siren goes off while you're on a Zoom with your boss. Did you want to add a screaming child? (laughs) All right. Here, Caleb, is your last limerick. About wine, I'm a little defensive. Because my knowledge is far from extensive. To see if it's nice, I look at the price. And I go for the wine that's... Expensive? There you go. Very good. A new study released this week found we like wine more if we think it's expensive, which makes sense. It's a lot easier than saying we like wine more if its malic acidity is under 5 pH. The researchers gave tasters in the experiment three versions of wine that they were told was either more or less expensive than it really was, and at the end, the subjects overwhelmingly responded, I love you so much, man. (laughs) The great news, this is great news for your next dinner party, for this special occasion, I thought I'd open this bottle of Five Buck Chuck. (laughs) It's just that mouthfeel of being ripped off. It really is. (laughs) Bill, how did Caleb do in our quiz? Caleb got a win kicking and dragging. (laughs) We had a hell of a time. We did. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate it. Take care. Good luck. Hopefully we'll see you on some stage somewhere. Okay, sounds good. The economy right now is bewildering, impenetrable, inconceivable. Not when you have the indicator of podcast in your ears. In under 10 minutes every day, we simplify the complicated news like... How does inflation drop? What the heck is a SPAC? Why are trendy little high-fiber sodas suddenly dominating store shelves? And more. Listen to the indicator from Planet Money and NPR. Big news stories don't always break on your schedule. But with the NPR app, news, culture, and podcasts are ready when you want them. In your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Josh has two. Ryan has two. 
And Faith has three. Okay. Josh and Brian are tied. Brian, I'm going to arbitrarily choose you to go first. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, President Biden announced plans to withdraw all troops from blank by September 11th. Afghanistan. Right. On Thursday, it was reported that D.C. police called for backup over 15 times during the riot at the blank in January. The Capitol? Right. This week, hundreds of leaders from high-profile companies signed an open letter against laws making it harder to blank. Vote in Georgia. Well, vote in a lot of places. This week, Brexit advocate and former member of Parliament Nigel Farage recorded a cameo video wishing a happy birthday to blank. Prince Charles, the guy who just died. No, he, he wished a happy birthday with a straight face to someone named Hugh Janus. <laughs> On Sunday, golfer Hideki Matsuyama won the 2021 blank tournament. The Masters. Yes, indeed. This week, a woman went viral on TikTok for telling the story of how she catered a wedding reception and got a $75 tip for blanking. For marrying the client. No, she got a $75 tip because she spilled a bunch of gravy on the mother of the groom. According to the <clears> server, the mother of the groom had the audacity to wear white to the wedding, so the bride was thrilled when the server accidentally spilled an entire gravy boat's worth of gravy right onto her lap. It led to the bride giving, or rather slipping the server, a surprise $75 tip, and led to the mother-in-law getting onto the dance floor and proving that she can, in fact, do the mashed potato. <laughs> Bill, how did Brian do in that our quiz? Karma. He had four for eight more points. He now has ten, and he moves into the lead. Well done, Brian. All right, you're up next, Josh. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, a CDC advisory panel held an emergency meeting to discuss the vaccine from blank. Johnson & Johnson? Yes. On Tuesday, Egypt seized the ever given for unpaid bills. That's the ship that blocked the blank. Suez Canal? Right. This week, the prosecution and defense both completed their arguments in blank's trial. Derek uh, Chauvin? Right, that's his name. On Monday, President Biden said his $2.3 trillion blank plan would help address the global computer chip shortage. The American Jobs Act? Yeah, that's what they're calling the infrastructure plan. I'll give it to you. That, this week, a landlord in Ireland was charged after he evicted his tenants for growing weed, and then he blanked. Smoked it? No, he kept growing the weed and started his own drug dealing business. On Monday, <laughs> disgraced movie producer Blank was indicted on 11 additional counts of assault. Harvey Weinstein? Right. On Wednesday, crypto exchange site Blank closed its first day of trading with an $85 billion valuation. Coinbase. Right. After receiving reports of a mysterious animal lurking in a tree, animal control workers in Poland arrived in the scene and found Blank lurking in the branches. It was a croissant. It was, Josh. It was a <laughs> croissant. According to the officers, they approached the, quote, mysterious tree beast with caution. It wasn't until they got closer that they saw the baked good for what it really was and safely removed it from the tree with no one being injured by it. That was great news for the concerned neighbors because it had been in the tree for two days and nothing is worse than a stale croissant. <laughs> it was creepy. Did you see the picture? I did it not see the Was it, in fact, a creepy thing that yes, nobody was, would want to see? Because it looked like it was climbing up or down the tree. But it didn't move. and people. No, it was ready to pounce, Peter. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Bill, how did Josh do in our quiz? Look out for Josh. He had seven for 14 more mm. points. That means he now has 16 and the lead. Okay, then. So how many does Faith need to win? She needs seven to win. All right, Faith. A tall order, but I think you're up for it. Here we go. This <laughs> is for the game. Fill in the blank. Following the apparent sabotage of a nuclear site by Israel, blank increased their uranium enrichment to 60%. Iran. Right. On Wednesday, GOP leaders said they would take action if the DOJ moves ahead with a formal case against Representative Blank. 
Uh, Gates? Yes, Gates. This week, a House panel advanced a bill to create a commission on whether to offer black Americans blank. Reparations. Right. Rutgers, Notre Dame, and Cornell are among the universities requiring students to be blanked before classes in the fall. Vaccinated. Right. This week, a man in New York brought his kids along when he broke into a self-service yogurt shop and stole blank. Um, sprinkles. Yes, he stole a bunch of (laughs) toppings. On Thursday, Jennifer Lopez announced she was calling off her engagement to former baseball player blank. Alex Rodriguez. Yes, a rod this week. Child safety advocates implored Facebook to not launch a version of blank for kids. Oh, Instagram. Right. In addition to costing more than $15 million per day while blocking the Suez Canal, a report has blamed the ever-given ship for a shortage of blank worldwide. Garden gnomes. Faith, you are right again. (laughs) Garden gnomes, the outdoor decoration that your aunt buys to let the world know she's totally fine with being single, thank you very much, are in short supply right now. Due to that ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal, the owners of the Ever Given have apologized for the shortage and admit it was probably a mistake to let that garden gnome captain the ship. There's no such thing as a shortage of garden gnomes. Apparently, there is. Garden gnomes or no garden. (laughs) Bill, how did Faith do in our quiz? Did she do well enough to win? She had eight right for 16 more points. That's a total of 19, and that means she is this week's champion. Congratulations, Faith. Thank you. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists what will be the next shocking reality TV revelation. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions' Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Gianna Cappadona. Our intern is Emma Choi. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King, our mysterious tree beast is Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the next shocking revelation from reality TV? Brian Babylon. Next season's My 400-Pound Life will be about 800 supermodels that live in an apartment in New York City. Faith Saley. <laughs> The next wine-swilling, overly-tanned, blousy, real housewife of Potomac will be John Boehner. And Josh Gondelman. Uh, Love Island will be revealed to have secretly been filming on a peninsula. (laughs) Well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Brian Babylon, Faith Saley, and Josh Gondelman. Thanks to all of you for listening. I am Peter Sagal. We will see you next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. On NPR's Throughline, 
we cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.